Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Stream, but Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We have a lot to cover today. A lot of uh, very big news. Or maybe we should take the, our, our, the sarcastic approach. Nothing earth shattering in the world of PC gaming happened this week at all. Not at all. But first, I want to give a PSA to all of my fellow streamers out there or content creators out there whatever you do don't click okay when it comes to open broadcast studio or open broadcast software studio don't hit okay i recently updated by accident because i thought it was a different message than the one that said update because it looked a little different to obs version 28 terrible things followed first off the first thing that happened was, well, well, everything stopped working for starters. Second, the stream deck that I use to control everything and make managing this stream that much easier ceased to function correctly. And it took me hours to go ahead and update everything on the plugin side of things. Now, fortunately, there, do not fall for the same thing I did. If you find that your scene switching macros no longer function correctly, it actually isn't because your update, your plugin is out of date. Oh, no, 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 no. For whatever reason, the update on OBS made it so that any sort of scene switching commands you had integrated into your stream deck, switch the preview window instead of the program window the program window being what is actually shown to the stream also in a baffling choice obs swapped where the program and preview window are which by the way is driving me insane because now i have to look up to where to see what's actually live instead of to the bottom it, it is maddening absolutely maddening so I had to go and edit all of my commands by hand. And here's the best part afterwards, okay? Everything worked for one recording. And then the next, OBS would not open. Because all of a sudden now, the stream elements plugin causes OBS to insta-crash. And it took me a while to figure this out as well. And then once I did, I uninstalled it and then just retooled everything to not use that plugin anymore so in the end everything's fine now but i lost two stream days and a day off to troubleshoot and test everything only for it to eventually fail anyway and we think we're back up and running we think we're back up and running at full capacity there might be a few hiccups here and there we'll find out but of course that comes to the territory when you're in the twitch streaming world you kind of expect various little problems here and there you kind of expect to encounter hiccups lately twitch themselves on the other hand have encountered some very strange hiccups and i actually want to talk briefly about an incident that happened in my own community one of our own community members i won't mention names but pretty much everyone in my community knows exactly who it is had to go ahead and tell us on the discord they have been banned for 14 days 
and they don't know why, but the actual note they got, the actual notification of the ban they got from Twitch says, quote, that they were banned for, quote, hateful conduct, promoting, encouraging, or facilitating the discrimination or denigration of a group of people based on their protected characteristics. Where they're saying the violation occurred was in public or private chat messages, but then refused to then say what message was the offending one so that, you know, you could go ahead and do this crazy thing called correct behavior that is considered unacceptable in this day and age of what is and isn't acceptable changing wildly in our society based on a month-to-month basis almost. And I'll tell you what, from a comedian standpoint, because that's mostly what my streaming content is, it is comedic in nature, that is a very fine line to dance across, and I'd love to know what is and isn't considered acceptable anymore, so you know, all right, scratch that, scratch that, scratch that, scratch that. I'll tell you this right now, Twitch... Do not go ahead and say what the content is that's a, that's that is offending. I find completely unacceptable. And this person in question that got this 14-day suspension is right now furious. Cuz they're just like, "Oh, okay, I guess I can't do anything, and I have no idea why." If I ban someone in my chat for something of a similar na- nature, like they go ahead and like rip on an entire ethnic group or say a racial slur or go ahead and uh and say like some kind of massive spoiler and get banned for it it is expected of me or my moderator that banned them to be able to tell them what they did wrong so that they can go ahead and try to justify their actions so why is twitch not held to the same standard Now, Eagle, you're making a very big deal out of this. This is just a viewer taking a 14-day vacation. That's no big deal for what may or may not be just random nonsense. What could just be, you know, something that was just misinterpreted. But this starts a theme I want to put up here. The, The refusal of Twitch to justify their actions. Because I want Twitch to try and justify... Why they banned a big Final Fantasy XIV streamer, and originally the ban was indefinite, but since got overturned, because that streamer was, imp- was quote, impersonating themselves. Figure that one out. Zeppla HQ, who, honestly, as far as a recent Twitch career has had, a very rough time. Ukrainian streamer ended up fleeing the country when the Russian invasion happened, has been on the run, and well, on the run in air quotes, trying to find a place to just be allowed to just sit down and just chill for a minute. Only finally found a more long-term place of residence in the United States. Only to then start up stream and find out, oh, they've been banned for, quote, impersonation via username or display name, even though she's a verified Twitch partner. Now, this ban only lasted, according to streamer bans, 
for one hour, eight minutes and 36 seconds. However, because the ban was supposed to be indefinite, it has widespreading repercussions such as automated unsubs, automated unfollows to the tune of over half of her followers starting with 240,000 and after the band brain brought all the way down to 78,500 because someone at Twitch made an oopsie. Now, since the ban, it looks like a lot of the damage is being very silently and swiftly undone, but holy cow, holy cow. How do you mess that up? How do you ban someone for impersonating themselves when they're when they have a verified check mark now in an early bird briefing when i talked about this i speculated that maybe it was done automatedly because of the hq at the end of her twitch name because everyone refers to a zeppla not zeppla hq someone in chat asks was the ip address was unusual question mark that could actually play a role in it too, but I want to say they've been at their new location for long enough. The other thing is, I think that would tr that would trigger something else in the Twitch system rather than, you know, a ban for impersonation. In either case, something very weird is going on at Twitch. You have some people being banned for no reason, or for rather, for the vagueness of hateful conduct without being told what said hateful conduct is. Like imagine being arrested for shoplifting, but then never proving you stole anything. Like that's not okay. Someone in chat says you don't go straight for the ban for a weird IP. You do two-factor authentication to verify them first. That's the other thing to also point out is the fact that um, because they're a Twitch partner, they have to, they're required to have two-factor authentication enabled. This is something that affiliates have too. Once you're a Twitch affiliate, you are required to have two-factor authentication anytime you log in. And even if there's still suspicious behavior, they then force a password reset. So that should have been the protocol that should have been enabled. But of course, we live in the bizarro land that is Twitch just kind of winging it. So I'm just saying this is just one more odd behavior from Twitch layered on top of all the other weird behaviors of Twitch on top of each other, wanting to go ahead and push more ads, wanting to go ahead and do everything they can to take away their own features. It is bizarre to say the least. With that being said, though, Speaking of very odd behavior, I do have a story from YouTube to help make up the difference here that I was going to get to later, but now we're going to get to it now. With Twitch being kind of on the ropes for being an unattractive platform, this opens the door for YouTube to try and scoop up more and more streamers, to try and scoop up more and more viewers. It's a huge opportunity, especially since... No one right now can figure out what Twitch's endgame is other than to shun everyone away or to just, you know, maximize profit before going off to pasture to die. And then YouTube has a brilliant idea. Since 
everyone on Twitch is contemplating leaving the platform because of the horrendous amount of ads that affiliates or actually mostly partners are being highly encouraged to um, utilize. You know what we should do on YouTube? Show users five unskippable ads instead of two before a video starts. What a great idea, YouTube. What a fantastic, amazing idea. YouTube, why do you think this is a good idea? This is just, this isn't a good idea. Someone in chat says the profit margins are amazing, but they're not. Here's the thing with running ads. When you run multiple ads in a row, you get a diminishing return. Eventually at some point, people are more likely to just move off. In fact, here, let's go to a model that is long tested. Let's go to the ancient world of over the air television. All right, you're going ahead and you're watching the Simpsons. All right, now they're on a really long commercial break. You know it's gonna be several minutes. What do you do? Do you A, sit there and just watch the commercials? B, get up, go, go grab a snack, some water or something else or go to the bathroom? Or C, do you change the channel? Or D, a combination of B and C? Most likely it's a combination of B and C. You're picking option D. There's a reason why on my channel, when I do take an ad break, even though the break is five minutes, I only run 90 seconds of ads. It's because that is the bare minimum for me to get the maximum number of ads removed from the pre-roll counter. I'm allowed to run up to three minutes. And considering the fact that I set a timer for five minutes to get to get up, refill water, get up, stretch, stretch, get the blood flowing again. It would make logical sense to run three minutes of ads. I don't though, because I know that's gonna make people just change the channel. Cause this isn't like over the air TV where there's, where there's only a dozen channels. There on Twitch and on YouTube are millions of different channels, streamers and whatnot out there. Tons upon tons upon tons. And if YouTube's prerogative is going to say, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to set up. So you're watching, you know, five unskippable videos at the start of the of the video. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go elsewhere. I'm going to go fire up, you know, Netflix or something else. I'm going to go over to Twitch. I'm going to go over to literally anywhere else. Or, you know, probably more likely I'm just going to fire ad block up again because there's going to be some threshold of my willingness to watch ads on YouTube to support content creators and their costly endeavor to make more content and my willingness to go fire up ad blocker again and commit minor piracy or, you know, go get YouTube premium. Like someone in chat just said, I'll just say this much right here. This is a terrible idea. If the whole point is to try and get more ads in YouTube videos, then just try pushing more mid rollers. Or you know, actually, I don't have a, have a or you know. My or you know in the case of Twitch is just you know, incentivize running scheduled scheduled uh, ads instead of running their stupid automated thing. Someone in chat says it's a terrible idea to you, the viewer, but a wonderful idea to the, to an advertiser or marketer. It's not though. 
if more and more people turn off and not go to your service, it doesn't help at all. Someone in chat asks, what are they going to watch, watch otherwise? Two words, tick tock. Right now, YouTube is facing insane viewership pressure from TikTok. And TikTok has almost no ads. And again, if you're the advertiser, if you're the marketer, you don't want your ad to be crowded by four other ads. It makes your ad that much less valuable. Someone in chat says TikTok and YouTube still panel to very different markets. Not as different as you'd think. Here's the thing, and this is one that is actually still very, very difficult to process considering where TikTok started. YouTube is still trying to get that sort of TikTok clone going, and they're having limited success with that. TikTok, on the other hand, do you know what the maximum length of a TikTok's allowed to be? I don't even know anymore. It used to be three minutes. Now it's 10. Might even be higher than that now. Heck, now you don't even need to have the 9 by 16 aspect ratio. Now you can actually go 16 by 9. So the argument that, t- that YouTube can get away with it because there's no competition to YouTube, that's not the case. Because at some point, you can very, very easily shun your viewership away. Someone in chat says, just wait, the midterm elections are coming up and YouTube will be flooded with political ads and people will leave. Dude, it's already happened. <laughs> it's, it's already happened. At least in my feed, it has happened already. Granted, right now, because the particular state that I'm in is so, um, I'll just say contentious as far as the midterms goes. I would say 66% of ads that I see on YouTube, Twitch, Hulu, Net, oh, not Netflix yet. I would say two thirds of them are political. Someone in chat asks, what about Vimeo? What about Vimeo? (laughs) Vimeo shot themselves in the foot when they started trying to charge content creators to post on their their platform. It is very difficult to try and encourage Vimeo as a platform when they want to try and charge content creators to go post content. It's just, what sounds better to you? Post on YouTube and maybe one day make money off your content? Or post on on Vimeo and, and be charged $10? Yeah, that's a, that's a very hard sell. And speaking of TikTok wanting to go ahead and move on to get into other markets, there's one social media platform that's starting to be bigger in China called Be Real. And TikTok very quickly wanting to just like lose its own identity and just become an everything video service has already launched a clone of that. They're calling it TikTok now. Apparently, Be Real is, I have no idea, of course, on this. It's apparently the ability to shoot, shoot video with both your front and real rear-facing camera, which, by the way, already turns me off to it because the way I like to make content is, you know, in a studio with a camera that's... I'm not sure if this camera is actually better or worse than my phone camera. It's actually hard to tell. Probably worse, even though the physical size of the camera is way bigger than my cell phone camera but i digress but this sort of content is just you know you have to do it with your phone there's no other way to do it 
Heck, that's how TikTok started. But then eventually you could start making content on a computer with a video editor and then upload it to TikTok via a desktop app to say that, you know, you go to YouTube for one specific thing, that you go to Instagram for one specific thing, that you go to Facebook, well, Facebook, you only go go to Facebook for one specific thing. It's to realize how bad the earth is. To say you only go to Twitter for one specific thing, it's not the case anymore. So many of these platforms are doing everything they can to make a clone of each other that it's not even funny. Heck, Twitch had the potential to try and make decent vaunted content, but they gave up partway through. I want to stress though, I am not against these various platforms trying to monetize their platform. You have to. YouTube servers cost money. TikTok servers cost money. All of these platforms have an upkeep, but you need to monetize intelligently. Running five ads in a row, that's not intelligently. That's just being greedy. Making an automated system that automatically interrupts your content with a a 30 second ad, that's not intelligent. That's being rude to your viewer base. And that's gonna take away that precious viewer base that you need, underline need, in order to continue to function. That is something that Twitch is forgetting. That is something that YouTube is on the path of forgetting. And I don't know about you, but I really don't want to live in a world where the number one social media platform that finally killed YouTube and is the only place to post videos is freaking TikTok. Abso-freaking-lutely not. We're going to take a break here when we come back. I want to talk about Uber and the wonderful state of being that they are in. It's going to be great. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. Uber. We don't have all the details yet, but... Uber has had a security breach. This actually broke. This is actually one of the few times when I could have used the term breaking news, but I had no information to go by. Literally an hour before one of my early bird briefings, the news broke that Uber had a massive security breach, but we we didn't know the scope of it. And now that more time has passed, it actually does look like this is a pretty bad security breach that quite possibly looks like it affected their entire network, which means that quite possibly all data and access logs could have potentially have been breached. All of it. At this time, we do not know the extent of the hack if any consumer data, social security numbers, credit card numbers, or anything have been compromised, but it's uh, quite possible that um, this could be a major, major blow 
to Uber. And, well, the company as a whole. Because th think about this for a minute. It's not just the customers that are potentially at risk here. And I want to stress, we don't know yet, at the as of the time of recording, what has all been affected within Uber. But, 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 not only do you have the consumer information to worry about, you have the subcontractor information to worry about. You have all the information of all the drivers that work for Uber to worry about, including tax information. And that is extremely worrying because that is a treasure trove of data that can be used for identity thefts, thieves, the, the act and the people who do it, all of it. I stress again, we don't know how bad the hack is. We hope to find out soon, but this could be a very, very big one. But we won't know until all the information is out. With no good transition period or transition for this next topic, let's just shift gears wildly over to Ethereum. Yes, Ethereum, my friends. The merge has happened. And by merge, I mean the shift of Ethereum to go from proof of work, meaning that you have used your hardware to calculate transactions on Ethereum with your GPU to earn more Ethereum to proof of stake. The merge is with another blockchain known as... Oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It does figure the story I use for this does not mention what the merge is with. In any case, Ethereum has merged with another blockchain that uses proof of stake instead of proof of work. This means that this would cut the power consumption of the entire Ethereum blockchain by somewhere close to 99%, which, by the way, is drastically needed. One of the arguments that is made about Ethereum being just fine, don't worry about it, is that, don't, don't worry, the energy that's used for Ethereum is totally renewable. Totally. When your entire blockchain consumes enough power to power nations across the world, whether it's green or not is now irrelevant. Because then that's energy that could have been used to literally do anything. That could have been used to heat or cool homes that are in desperate need of it. I mean, there are some concerns that a lot of homes are going to be cold this winter because of the shortage of natural gas thanks to Russia deciding to invade Ukraine and being sanctioned. That's power that could have been used to heat those homes. That's instead went to power a blockchain that is intentionally made to be as inefficient as possible. So this is a win-win, right? Never again do we have to worry about GPUs being used to mine for Ethereum, right? Well, so far, so good. We're seeing a second glut of uh, GPUs hitting the eBay market soon as GPU mining is now proving to not be profitable at all after the Ethereum merger. I mean, already... 
GPU mining was considered not to be profitable to begin with, but now it is 100% not profitable as the diehards out there are now selling off their GPUs because it now costs more power to run them than you make back in the cryptocurrency. Since, you know, now you can't use it for Ethereum. Now you have to use it for some other cryptocurrency. Oh, hey, look, I got a hundred... I got a hundred fake bucks. How much are those fake bucks worth in real money? Oh, um, one ten thousandth of a cent per. That doesn't even pay for the 2000 watts that it costs to mine that. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work so well. Huh? Oh, but now things get, uh, get even better. First off, someone in the chat and actually this article I just switched to did confirm the merge is with mainnet which is a proof of stake chain now someone in chat asks what is proof of stake so proof of stake means that new ethereum tokens are given to people who hold a stake in ethereum rather than people who have worked on the blockchain using mining cards at least that's how it's explained to me the ins and outs of how uh, cryptocurrency works are to say they're an enigma is an understatement it is very very complicated and most people don't understand it even the crypto bros that swear by it and just have a cult-like following to it however here's something to be concerned with there is now a fork of ethereum that is being called eth pow standing for ethereum truth of work so now we have a fork of ethereum that is specifically built on the backbone of proof of work that now hopes to become the next ethereum now normally in a sane world i would say this kind of fork of just diehards that want to go ahead and preserve an old way of thinking they, they usually in a sane world go nowhere here is the problem the world of cryptocurrency is not a sane world there's no other way to say it it's not if you're hoping for logic to have a place in the world of cryptocurrency it's not going to happen so it's quite possible this will take off however if it does i do not expect it to take off until after the next series of gpus which has its own problems. We're going to get to the problems that the RTX 40 series has later on in the podcast. But there's another elephant in the room. That elephant is on a Friday night dump, the Biden administration putting out a framework on how it's going to be regulating crypto. You don't even need to go into the details of this. And right now, quite frankly... I wouldn't even worry about this until the actual rules come out. And here's a spoiler for you. The actual rules aren't going to come out until after the midterm elections. The framework right now is just kind of basic. It's just that. It's just a framework. But the fact that the administration still has an eye on regulating cryptocurrency in general spells bad news for crypto enthusiasts because of course the biggest draw of crypto is quote it's untraceable tm and it gets around 
fiat government-based currencies. Well, a government trying to go ahead and regulate cryptocurrency in general is something that that kind of crowd wants to avoid at all costs, regardless of whatever it is. So this doesn't exactly spell good news for crypto at all. In the end, we'll just have to wait and see how things go. I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, don't doubt me on this. No details are going to come out until after the midterms. They do not want to risk any eyes going on anything even closely related to money right now. They just don't. Shifting gears because we're now get, venturing dangerously close to politics. Um, PlayStation VR. PlayStation wants to go ahead and breathe new life into virtual reality supporting PlayStation VR 2, which I have more faith in this than I do in the metaverse's new headset. How sad is that? If you asked me years ago when we first knew of Oculus, what I'd have more faith in, the Oculus or PlayStation VR, 100% it would have been Oculus. Now, I'd trust PlayStation VR more. One, PlayStation VR 2 would be powered on the PS5, which actually has the horsepower to go ahead and do decent VR. And two, it isn't touched by Mark Zuckerberg. Now, there is a problem with PlayStation VR. And actually, I think this is actually a very big problem for PSVR. There is no backwards compatibility. Why? Why would you do this? Why on earth would you shoot yourself in the foot like this? And don't you dare tell me it's a hardware issue. PSVR was on the PS4. You were on an x86 architecture. Backwards emulation from x86 to older x86 would not have been hard. Backwards compatibility from... Wow, I can't remember the actual architecture of the current PS5. You, you know what I mean, though. It would not have been difficult. Someone in chat says it's a hardware issue. How? How could it possibly be a hardware issue? The architecture is literally, not figuratively, literally exactly the same. Shout out to whatever the heck buzzing motorcycle that was that apparently pissed off a giant, giant's hornet's nest and shoved itself up its muffler. For it to be a hardware, it, 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 it's stupid. To say it's a hardware issue is dumb, and maybe it is. But I think if Sony put their mind to it, they could have very, very easily made it backwards compatible. This isn't like trying to make PS3 games work on a PS5. That I know is going to be extremely difficult because the cell architecture of the PS3 is wildly different from the x86 architecture of the PS4 and 5. I get that. That is extremely difficult. But you're talking about going from 4 to 5. The PS5 is basically a PS4 Pro Pro. Because architecturally, there's almost no difference. The biggest difference between the PS5 and 4 is the storage. The NVMe storage. And the fact that the PS5 is roughly the size of a small sedan with a popped collar. Seriously, the PS5 doesn't even fit in one of, the, one of my little cubbies. It's too tall. It, I could not get over how tall the PS5 is. I knew it was tall, but I can't get how tall it is now that I actually have one. It is nuts. 
But I will say this, as upset as I am over this with VR, I will say this much. At least it's not the MetaQuest Pro. We got a sneak peek at the MetaFest, the, the MetaQuest the Meta Pro. And I'll say this much. Eh? For the most part, it looks pretty much exactly as you'd expect. Slightly updated headset, slightly updated controllers. They look pretty much exactly the same. And the sucker starts at... Actually, we don't even know how much it starts at. We just know that the Quest 2 starts at 400 bucks. But it's a standalone device. But you're locked in the, in the Meta's ecosystem, so it's just like, why bother? Although, oddly enough, I know more and more people willing to go ahead and go down that road just because it's obtainable VR. Please don't do it. Friends don't let friends get a meta quest. But then again, as much as I try to educate my own mother, I still end up losing those battles. At least she got off Candy Crush. That's about the best I could do. But speaking of people that need help, um, this is actually a rather terrifying story that does need to be talked about and about how even though I personally do not like the methods that Mark Zuckerberg goes by, there are lines that must be drawn. I want to put down a very firm line. Going into a university and going into a VR lab and threatening to blow everything up looking for Mark Zuckerberg is not okay. But that is exactly what happened at Northeastern University. No! Stop it! Just... This would borderline into, like, this should go into the bizarre category of the podcast if it weren't for the fact that it's so messed up that it has to be talked about in a very serious matter. Look, I don't like Zuckerberg. I don't like the fact that he continues to try and make outfits to mine crucial data, sell it, and then manage the data poorly so it just leaks out anyway. I don't like the fact that he's trying to go ahead and push this whole thing about the metaverse, which equally crazy people are seeing as the wave of the future, but then look at how the metaverse is being done currently and saying that it, that it falls behind both graphically and mechanically over MMOs that we had back in 2002. And the fact that the guy is making tons upon tons of money, making extremely subpar experiences for everyone i don't like the guy but i'm not gonna go in and ruin so many other people's lives by deciding to be a bomber no bad don't just come on come on people talk about it it is far far better and healthier in a random segue to nowhere, uh, people in Germany can buy Wolfenstein 3D finally. The game was actually officially unbanned in 2019, but it only finally got the validation and the ability to be sold in Germany very recently. Man, thank God. Now Germany can know the glory of Doom with a Wolfenstein skin over it. Now, personally, personally, I cannot wait for Germany to get access to uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood in the year 2045. So at that point, they too can realize just how bad and underwhelming that game actually was and how much of a, t of a titanic piece of hot garbage 
the Bethesda launcher is. I should go back and actually watch that footage of me and gibberish name trying to get Wolfenstein Youngblood to actually work. I remember that being just a titanic disaster at work trying to get that going. What isn't a disaster, however, is the fact that Xbox now has Discord voice available on all modern Xbox platforms, being the Xbox One series and the Xbox Series series. Yes, I'm going to continue calling it the Xbox Series series. You can't stop me. Try it. Just try it. You can't stop me. This kind of brings up the, uh, the question once again. So Microsoft and Discord kind of partnered up for this, right? What is taking Sony so long? Sony directly invested in Discord and they still have very minimal Discord integration with their platforms. Whereas Xbox has made no investment whatsoever other than, you know, extending a hand, now has full integration. I know I brought this up in the past. I feel like I need to bring it up again. But over the last week, we had two big video game announcement trailer direct thingamajigs. One from Nintendo Switch and one from PlayStation. PlayStations, for the most part, was very meh, unless you were a Yakuza fan. Then you got a cute little treat. The Nintendo Switch Online one had some good nuggets, but was greatly overshadowed by one thing and one thing only. GoldenEye is coming to the Nintendo Switch's N64 emulator. Now, I, for one, am rather interested in it, but mostly because here's the weird quirk. So the Nintendo Switch is getting an emulated copy of the original GoldenEye for the N64. The Xbox is getting a remaster of GoldenEye that will be available on the Xbox Game Pass. Keep that in mind. One's a remaster. The other is a direct emulated version. All right. Everyone got that. Nintendo is getting an emulated version, basically a port. And Xbox is getting a remaster, which makes things very strange that the more modern remaster is not getting online play, but the Nintendo one is. Figure that one out. How? What? I, I, I do not understand. I legitimately do not understand how this is possible. Now, someone who's more familiar with Xbox than, than me, I, I have a question. The Perfect Dark re-release that Xbox got, does it have online multiplayer or is it only local? I got a feeling no one in chat actually knows. So we might just have to look that up over the break, which we actually should be taking right now. Anyway, when we come back, we have some very, very sad news about the PC gaming space we will be back welcome back you guys on tech i'm eagle falcon we're actually following breaking news 
from the gaming world. This actually just broke 32 minutes ago. No joke. At, at the time of recording this, obviously. By the time you hear it, this, this news is going to be a day old. But Grand Theft Auto 6 has had its source code stolen from Rockstar. In addition, apparently the the Grand Theft Auto 5 source code was sold for $100,000. Leaked footage of Grand Theft Auto 6 is being leaked out and is being confirmed by the source code that was taken as well. Now, this is all super fresh news and details are still coming out at the time of reporting on all this here's what i'll say i have one source earlier saying that the person who sold the grand theft auto 5 source code is the same person who stole the gta 6 source code they're also saying that they didn't do such a thing so there's a lot of misinformation going on right now in regards to this but here's what it does mean it does mean that gta six is still in a very early stage of development and quite frankly if this is real if in fact the source code for gta 6 has been stolen mid-development this is going to set back the launch of gta 6 drastically because they're going to go ahead and now just delay it and start over with a mildly different source code to avoid any kind of exploits so although the leaking of this sort of thing seems like oh hey look we got some info about gta 6 it's coming oh my my lord it's coming this is probably going to result in a delay all right let's talk about nvidia nvidia is in a very interesting situation right now okay their reputation has been hit a little bit as they tried being the good guy and watched as, thanks to the pandemic, Samsung's inability to produce enough GPUs, as well as their ability to not feed Samsung founders with enough materials to produce enough GPUs, and the rise of cryptocurrency, not a whole lot of people are really enthusiastic about the 3000 series, which was supposed to be a return to the glory days of NVIDIA. In addition, I want to remind you When the 30 series was launching, NVIDIA was launching Founder Series cards alongside all the cards that were being made by everyone else, by EVGA, by Asus, by MSI, by all the big card partners. And that those Founder Edition cards were priced to compete with those cards. Previously, if you wanted a Founder Edition card like my GTX 780 Founders, that card cost $100 more for the cool look, for the, the more expensive materials used on the card compared to one made by Asus or EVGA. In addition, long ago, we also saw more uniqueness out of the board partners like EVGA and Asus. Asus, I actually had one of these cards too, one of these older cards from like AMD and NVIDIA where they'd go ahead and pair two mid-tier GPUs and SLI or crossfire them together. Those were not cards 
that you'd normally see come out of Nvidia or AMD. Those were super custom. And even some cards had various RAM or had certain parts of the GPU unlocked that they performed wildly different compared to the reference GPU. We've seen all that go away, first off, A, because Crossfire and SLI just didn't get the support it needed as GPUs got more and more complex. But also, B, NVIDIA seemed to just want more and more control over what the board partners made. And then they started directly competing with those board partners with their Founders Edition that were no longer a limited run when they first started or in the case of the RTX series seemed like they never started because no cards ever pretty much ever hit market ever until recently. This now brings us to quite possibly some of the most earth shattering news we have had in the PC space in a long, long time. EVGA will no longer make graphic cards, extreme video Graphic adapters, the company is no longer going to make video graphic adapters. Let that sink in for a minute. This would be like if Samsung announced very suddenly out of nowhere, a few months before the next Google IO, that they're no longer going to make Android smartphones or just smartphones in general. That's the kind of scale EVGA was. This news was first broken by both Jay's Two Cents and Gamers Nexus, who were invited out to speak to the CEO directly. And if I could actually find my notes, I actually have notes in regards to this. EVGA has actually even come out and said that 80% of their revenue came from video cards, but they're still choosing to go with this decision but the profit margins right now from said graphic cards are so narrow that it just doesn't make sense right now some of the highest end gpus they're making like their rtx 3090s they're selling at 1300 nvidia is selling alongside the founders edition of that same card for a thousand dollars evga is taking a loss on those cards that nvidia is undercutting them with that's kind of how big this is that's kind of how mu- how obnoxious this is they've they've directly said that quote working with nvidia was hard and that right now they will not entertain working with amd or intel for other gpus at this time EVJ also wants to make sure that quote everyone knows they will cease all video card manufacturing operations Existing customers will still remain supported by EVGA's warranty. They have withheld inventory specifically to replace and fulfill warrantied cards as needed. They expect to run out of current in-stock 30 series cards by the end of 2022. EVGA is staying in business. They are not selling its business at this time, but Oddly enough, they're not expanding into new products. NVIDIA was notified of EVGA's decision in April 2022. I had actually had to go back and look at it. It's about when we started seeing the crypto crash happen in earnest. 
was about that April time period. EVGA has, however, finished engineering samples of the RTX 40 series, but has no intention on selling them. So when we see leaked pictures of these EVGA 40 series cards, that is why. EVGA claims they will be moving employees to other divisions. They do not plan on laying off anyone. I sincerely doubt they will be able to pull that off. I think there are going to be some massive layoffs, especially when so much other business was graphic cards. I don't think they can go ahead and expand their other divisions enough to make that happen, especially when one of your employees, let's keep in mind for EVGA, they were well known for overclockable GPUs. They had one of the biggest extreme overclockers out there. They had Vince. They have Kingpin. They make Kingpin specifically makes cards for EVGA specifically for the purpose of extreme overclocking. What's Vince going to do if EVGA is not going to make graphic cards? Right now, we don't have an answer to that question. The EVGA CEO has said they are not going to retire yet, but the EVGA CEO has said they do want to spend more time with their family, and that being one of the reasons they're getting out of the GPU market. Oddly enough, though, one of the one of the one of the things they said for why they're not partnering with AMD or Intel is because they quote didn't want to betray Nvidia, despite the fact that everything they said sounds like Nvidia has betrayed EVGA, and a lot of that does ring true with how EVGA has handled the tech media as well. Remember Hardware Unboxed? They were being threatened to be blacklisted by Nvidia. If they didn't go ahead, if uh, if Hardware Unbox didn't change one of their reviews to reflect more about some of the features rather than the actual rendering performance. Supposedly, Linus has also come out on his WAN show. I personally haven't watched it yet because I never watched the WAN show until after I finished recording this podcast and mentioned a lot of the problems he had working in the past with NVIDIA. And I believe it. I only heard this third or through a uh, third party. I have no idea what was all said right now. Someone in chat says they didn't want to be seen as the bad guy. So if they went ahead and betrayed NVIDIA by going to AMD or Intel, it would look just as bad as NVIDIA. That could quite possibly be some of the logic there. That quite possibly could be the logic. So, I mean, that's it. EVGA? is not going to be selling any VGA. Here's what's going to be interesting. When I made the comparison about Samsung getting out of uh, the smartphone market, that is about how big a deal this is. EVGA was the number one NVIDIA board partner. The Samsung comparison is very accurate. It'd be like hearing one day Dell stop selling Windows PCs. Or if... 7-Eleven stopped selling gasoline. Like in the computer space, this is big. This is really big. What kind of message does this send to everyone else? What does it send to MSI? What does it send to Asus? What does it send to... What the heck are the other board manufacturers? Those are the only two that pop in my head. I know there's more, more board manufacturers than just those two. What does this say to Zotac? There we go. What does this say to any of them? What does it say to Gigabyte? What does it say to PNY? So far, no one has said anything else yet.
that could easily change. Very, very easily, we could see some of the other board partners deciding we're out too. Especially since we already saw NVIDIA compete directly with these board partners in the last generation. They're already making prototypes. There's already engineering samples out there of the new 40 series cards. This means that there is more. There's, there's already talks between NVIDIA and the board partners for how this is all gonna go down. If there's something that they don't like, it may cause more and more board partners to bail, which may in fact make us that NVIDIA is the only manufacturer of NVIDIA cards. Again, this is all hypothetical right now. Now, some people in the chat are saying silence is safer. To the public, yes. I do think there is probably more being said behind closed doors between NVIDIA and the board partners. This could be a huge shift in the tides for AMD and not right now, but eventually for Intel as well. Or this could be nothing. This could just be EVGA getting out and the end of an era for GPUs and everything else goes on exactly as it did before and exactly as it is right now. Someone else did, in fact, say, mention one thing. It's time for just some plain old VGAs, VGA cards. No one needs extreme anymore. I think that's also part of the problem because EVGA did start off by coming up with crazy GPU concepts. They were one of the first ones to do basically two GPUs sandwiched together with a cooler in between, like some kind of computer sandwich and a blower in between to cool both GPUs and an interconnect between them. They're one of the first to do that. There's none of that kind of innovation going on right now because NVIDIA is just not letting that kind of crazy innovation occur at all. I mean, let's be honest. If you could, would you try a dual GPU card inside your machine? Assuming the, su the support was there, the performance is there, why not? Why not go for something unique and interesting rather than just yet another RTX 3060 or RTX 3070? Speaking of end of an era, a long known name in the computer space is also going away. This one, however, is just far more understanding than EVGA getting out of the GPU space. Ladies and gentlemen, Intel is retiring the name Pentium and Celeron. No longer will the low end of the Intel stack have the name Celeron and Pentium. Instead, it'll just be replaced by the Intel processor, which is totally not confusing whatsoever. Really? <laughs> hey, what's in your laptop? Oh, it's an Intel processor. I know, but which one? Oh, it's an Intel processor. That's what I'm trying to find out. Which Intel processor? Oh, it's the Intel processor. I know that, but which one? It's the Intel processor. Who's on first? This is going to be infuriating. Why? Why are you doing this? Was the USB promoter board not enough? Did the stupid bug had to spread to so many other people? Why? Why are you like this? And someone said, hey, look, it's the Intel processor nine. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not how it's gonna be. It absolutely isn't. It's just gonna be called 
Intel processor. Not Intel processor three, not Intel processor five, not Intel processor seven, not Intel processor nine, just Intel processor. <laughs> I would have been fine with the Intel Pentium and Celeron name being retired, but not like this. Bring them back. I don't need this kind of confusion and chaos in my life, but here we are. We're going to kill the Pentium name uh, for this. So when the chat says you should go back and go start from one again. Dude, I swear, if I see the Intel Pentium 4 HT come back as like a low-end processor, I'm going to lose my mind, especially if it's actually not a hyper-threaded processor. Uh. <laughs> The worst part is Intel knows better. Someone in chat says they've done it like three times already. I have not seen them resurrect the Pentium 4 HT name and then have that be a non-hyper-threaded because that's what the Pentium 4 HT was. The Pentium 4 HT was a Pentium 4 core that was hyper-threaded to emulate being two cores before they got dual core processors off the ground. Yeah, they need a name for the Intel processor, but we're not going to. It's just the Intel processor. Hey, what's in your desktop? Oh, the Intel processor. I know, but which one? The Intel processor. Imagine if Ford named an engine the Ford engine. Hey, what's under the hood? Oh, Ford engine. I know, but which one? Oh, it's the Ford engine. But what's the size of it? Oh, no, it's just the Ford engine. What is it? The Godzilla? Is it the, the, the 7.3 V8? Uh, is, it, is it the Power Stroke? What is it? Oh, it's the Ford engine. Intel, though, does tease that their new Raptor Lake CPUs that will hopefully have a real name, I swear, will be able to have 6 gigahertz stock and be able to hit 8 gigahertz when overclocking. Someone in chat says Ford would do that, wouldn't they? Ford usually doesn't. So the only reason why I know this is because I've talked way too much with my mechanic back when he was alive, may God bless his soul, um, they would actually use code names. Like the Godzilla engine is the 7.3 liter V8 they currently use. And then like uh, one of their, uh, the like power stroke diesel engine that was in our F550 had the code name Scorpion. Like they use a lot of that sort of things. So they actually do use that, but normally out in the, um, in the pedestrian world, not in their own internal world, they will, uh, they'll call it like the 6.7 liter power stroke engine or the 3.5 liter EcoBoost gasoline engine or their current ones like the 3.7 power boost hybrid engine. Like they, they usually have a pretty easy way to differentiate them. And it usually has to do with their, with their liter number. But in any case, New Intel processors, six gigahertz. How good is your liquid cooling? That's what I gotta ask. How hot are these CPUs gonna be? Like, dude, I like the fact they're innovating, but holy cow, these are gonna be some hot, hot CPUs. And it's gonna be quite the beast to tame. Speaking of beast to tame, let's get back to Nvidia for a moment. Someone in chat says they don't run water cooling. Oh, you will. At 6 gigahertz, you will be running water cooling. <laughs> or you'll be running some kind of thermosiphon or some kind of massive tower cooler for a 6 gigahertz chip. That is nuts! 
six gigahertz clock speed. That is going to end up being like freaking mandatory liquid cooling. That's crazy town right there. Like that is just absurd. We have some leaked photos of a Lenovo RTX 4090. And uh, there's just one big concerning problem with it. It appears to be a four slot card. Like I'm not even kidding. This card is massive, completely and utterly massive. It's just incredible. Now, I do have one thing to say about this connector, about this card. Part of me wonders if this is the real card, if this actually is a 4090, because there's only one 12 pin connector on this. Like, I will say this, the enthusiast in me does love the fact this card is massive. Like, if you want to go ahead and build a PC and have it just be, and want it to be like showcasey, you want like the biggest, most show-offiest GPU you can get your hands on. That's one of the downsides with liquid cooling a GPU. Liquid cooling the GPU drastically decreases the size of the card. But, you know, our concerns that these GPUs are going to be insanely big are only confirmed even more when we see the see Zotac that I was blank on the name earlier also showcasing some of their 4090 GPUs as well and um I don't know what uh, Zotac was thinking but they look like really thick surfboards but these two also look to be and it's actually very difficult for me to tell in the picture yeah, I can't tell if these are three or four slot cards. It looks like they're bordering on four slot, but I can't tell because the angle does not let me see any of the connectors. But these are also kind of like the 30 series cards, also utilizing a, um, a pass-through cooler kind of design where the very edge of the card, the very end, has no PCB, a downward fan that would just blow air straight through the card to try and cool it as much as possible through that which at the rate we're starting to see on these cards may in fact be mandatory like the cards power man it's just nuts we're gonna take our last break here when we come back i want to talk for a minute about halo infinite as well as some oddball exploits and the dangers of ai Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so... It's not a secret that Halo Infinite canceled their split-screen campaign co-op. Well, some people got a chance to test it. And they, they just have one question. Why did you cancel it? It actually works really well other than a few minor technical issues. I gotta wonder... Who's at the helm of Halo Infinite? Like things, things seem strange from the very, very start of, of Halo Infinite's launch. I mean, we saw the trailer and it looks like a game that was made for the Xbox Zero. Like not even the first Xbox, the Xbox that came before the first Xbox. It looked awful. Looked textureless, it looked empty. It, it looked like a demo. It looked like a demo of an alpha. 
and that gave us some hope. And they're like, don't worry, this will be a game that's gonna be an ongoing live service game. Everything will be fine. Name a meaningful Halo Infinite update. I'll wait. Can you? For a live service game to exist, you need to keep creating updates that bring people back to the game, that make people want to go ahead and want to keep coming back, that want to continue to invest in whatever the monetization aspect of your game is and keep coming. The only time anyone mentioned Halo, Halo Infinite in an update was when it first got multiplayer and it was free and that the monetization was cosmetic only. That's it. Since then, what's drawn you back? New weapons? New maps? Some kind of crazy new game mode? Some kind of silly hashed together, like red versus blue war mode to bring back the old days of back when Rooster Teeth wasn't a uh, steaming crater in the ground? Anything? No. Let's be honest, until you heard the news that split-screen co-op was being killed, you forgot all about Halo Infinite. You wanna know how I know? Because I forgot all about Halo Infinite until it hit my newsfeed that they were going to axe split-screen co-op. If you plan on making a live service game work, you need two things. One, a monetization model that does not subtract from the overall gameplay. And two, you need updates to bring people back into that monetization model. Whether that monetization model is loot free loot boxes with just the ability to just buy cosmetics or just a cosmetic shop in general, or some kind of extra DLC or just or just even the base game and releasing expansion packs every so often. Something, anything. But all you get here from Halo Infinite is wondering how the plane hasn't crashed with no one at the helm. No one is flying this plane. No one is steering the ship. Pick your analogy. There's no thoughts, only empty head at the helm of Halo Infinite. And that is very, very concerning. But you know, instead, let's get to some good news. For you, I have some great, great news. Here we see the new redesigned Verge page, which is absolutely atrocious. Verge, you are terrible at everything you do and your redesign actually made your page even less useful than it was before. Shame on you, it is abysmal, I hate it. And all of your readers hate it too. Go back to the drawing board and stop inhaling your own farts. In other news, iOS 16 is out. Anyway, one of the things that's been added has been uh, iOS 16 clean energy charging feature to quote, reduce your carbon footprint. If any more buzzwords actually existed in this feature, switching it would actually cause the phone to vibrate enough to generate electricity on its own. What the heck is going on here? Seriously, who what is this feature? Quote, clean energy charging. The actual description of this within iOS. In your region, iPhone will try to reduce your carbon footprint by selectively charging when lower carbon emission electricity is available. iPhone learns from your daily charging routine so it can reach full charge before you need to use it. What in the actual heck did I just read? What did any of that 
actually mean? My best guess is the iPhone will be able to tell somehow when it's a sunnier day and charge only when it's a sunnier day using solar panels, assuming my electric grid in the area uses solar or wind, I guess, maybe. I don't know. I felt like I just tried to digest a word salad. I just, I, I just, I, I just, just, what the, at some point, you know, you need to actually explain to your users in ways that matter. It feels like I read a speech from a politician. That's what this feature feels like. What on earth is this thing doing? Here, you know what? Just for you, iOS 16.1. I will make sure you are charged in the greenest way possible. I'm gonna make sure no one can look into my studio and plant up foldable portable solar panels and duct tape them to the window, have them go to a battery pack and only charge the phone through that. And then let's see how your clean energy charging feels about that, even though there's no way it could possibly know. Everything I just said is probably a horrible idea. It's probably a terrible idea. <laughs> don't, don't do what I just said. It may sound like a good idea, but, I'm, but I thought about this in a grand total of seven seconds. There's probably some part of that that's not going to work out really well. There is a new vulnerability in Microsoft Teams that can go ahead and be used for malicious attacks. How is this possible? How could it possibly use it? Well, let me tell you, this attack in Microsoft Teams uses one thing and one thing only. It uses GIFs, not GIFs. It's not a GIF. Stop calling it a GIF. It is a GIF. You know what? I, I have no suggestions on how to avoid this kind of attack. I feel at this point, you know what? If you're using Microsoft Teams and you're attacked by a GIF, there's not a force in the world that can help you, man. It's just, that's it. It's, it's time to go in the bunker. It's time to let IT with their actual, actual security knowledge figure that out for you. HP has launched a robot. And this robot is very, very interesting for it has one purpose. It's to draw out a blueprint onto a construction site. Someone in chat says that's, I have to use Microsoft Teams though. It's what my... This is what my driver's school requires for online classes. Well, here's what I'd say. That's more of a them problem than a your problem. I mean, for the most, I mean, what, what do you do? That's the real question. In the case of a GIF-based attack in, in freaking Microsoft Teams, don't answer messages from strangers? Other than that, I mean, it's a freaking GIF. Either Microsoft's got to patch it or the IT department in charge of your sector has to patch it. <laughs> Why is this just, what do you do? In any case, HP has made a robot to draw layouts on the floor. All right, I'll tell you what HP, this is impressive, but when the heck are you gonna make the robot that starts 3D printing with concrete? This is the next step. You have the planning robot, then you have the building robot soon very soon all buildings will be done by robots and then that'll be it for us it's all ogre it's all ogre well speaking of exploits that you have no control over there is an exploit for the ps4 and ps5 
that can never ever be patched ever. This vulnerability will forever leave the entire PS family vulnerable for all eternity. Yes, you should live in fear if you use a PS4 or PS5 for it is always vulnerable to this kind of attack. And it is all thanks to its PS2 on PS4 game emulator, meaning that the attacker has to have physical access to your PS4 or PS5. It's amusing. This will most likely be a very big backdoor for pirates and the homebrew crew to be able to get an in on the PS4 and PS5 operating system. But I mean, as far as something that's just like, oh no, the security of the PS5 is compromised forever. What? No, not even close. Not even a wee little bit. So amusing, but not a concern at all. A new AI assistant can browse, search, and use web applications as though they were human. Yes, a new AI can in fact browse information and look completely like a normal flawed human being while doing so. Now, this has all kinds of very interesting aspects from the point of view of being able to make applications search for information. I mean, Lord knows such smart speaker pucks that use AI in some way, shape, or form to find you the answer could really benefit from this sort of thing. But this also has the potential to be used for malicious purposes as well. I'm not sure what those are. But how many times have you seen data try to be accessed by robots only get stuck at the click here to confirm you're not a robot? We'll see. We'll see how this goes. I have a feeling this can be used for malicious purposes. I just can't figure out what yet. But there is a case of AI being used for very malicious purposes. Malicious purposes that have required action to be taken by mere mortals. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Image boards are being flooded with AI-generated art, and communities are starting to ban them completely, simply because accounts are trying to go ahead, have an AI generate basically every single kind of picture imaginable, and then collect the, the credibility for it. And some of the sites that have actually even gone out of their way to ban AI-generated art include Newgrounds, Inkblot Art, and Fur Affinity. Wait, Fur Affinity? Why Fur Affinity? Ah, uh, you see, I can't go ahead and show the article on stream at all because it is pornographic in nature. But apparently a bot was generating fur- furry porn at the rate of 10 pornographic images per second and posting in the fur affinity this is what our society has been devolved into so much porn that it overloads the servers we only knew it was a matter of time until someone out there created ai for the sole purpose of revealing the internet's true purpose that it is in fact for porn Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. And I do encourage you, check out 
our other podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, every Monday through Friday at the crack of dawn, 2 a.m. Central Time. You can find that at anchor.fm slash early briefing, or just check out every other platform I'm on. You can find that at eaglefalcon.carrd.co. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. Look, here's what I want to know. Why is it the first bot that gener- generates the metric ton of porn is specifically for furries? Not that I'm complaining. I just want to know. Why was that the first target? I, I, it's just weird as all. Or is there some other sinister meaning in all this? Hmm. We'll have to get to the bottom of this somehow. Or, you know, we could just not care. <laughs>